You wanted a better offensive performance from the Tar Heel basketball team? Well, you got it, particularly in the second half. Biscuits! You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, November 14th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shea. Thanks so much for joining me and making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss tomorrow's matchup between UNC and Gardner-Webb right there on the ACC Network on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you love. Try it today. Well, folks, we want to unpack this College of Charleston game from Friday night. Uh, We had a short postcast about it, but wanted to do it in a little more depth and detail. And so I want to talk about later why this team hasn't figured out who they are yet we're going to get into that i want to talk about some things that aren't going well and why i think they aren't going well so far but i want to start with where we always start with our basketball game recaps our four corners recap as a way of honoring coach dean smith and his legendary four corners offense so that's where we start four corner number one the story of this game as i alluded to off the bat was the explosion, the offensive explosion of the second half. Carolina, who scored 43 points in the first half and shot 50%, comes out in the second half (laughs) and shoots 71.4% in the second half. That's the second highest half like in any half under Coach Davis in his early career. Uh, the that that game was uh, Florida State last year. The Tar Heels shot seventy four point two percent. That's ridiculous. So Carolina, who scored forty three points in the first half, comes out and reels off to where they score a hundred and two in the entire game. Absolutely ridiculous second half. And you hope that is the tar. Not that they were bad or anemic offensively in the first half, but boy, that second half was something different. And you hope that they have unlocked something that they'll be able to build upon for the rest of the season. So was that just a micro moment or was that a macro of bigger things to come? I'm really curious to see how they come out against Gardner-Webb tomorrow on Tuesday. Number two for our four corners, the biggest story of that big half were two guys that you expect to be huge and two guys that the nation expects to be huge. And that's Armando Baycott and Caleb Love. (laughs) Quite frankly, I, I know we said the offense as a whole was, was great. It's very solid in the first half. Armando was just essentially a ghost. He was nowhere to be found. At halftime, this dude had one point and one rebound. And it, it's not that he wasn't hitting shots. It's just that whatever Charleston was doing to him was rendering him completely in effective one shot from the floor he missed it and was one for three from the free throw line that was his one point one rebound no blocks one steal 
but you saw the final box score, right? You know what he did in the second half. Armando had 28 total points. That means he scored 27 in the second half. He had six rebounds in total. Not Armando Bacot-like. We'll talk more about that soon. But then he also had three steals and two blocks. <clears throat> and so what a stat line for this dude. Oh, and by the way, he drew 11 fouls on Charleston. That is what you need your big man to do. As for Caleb Love, he didn't have quite <clears throat> the, the same uh, lack of a first half, but eight points, you know, it's fine. It's good. But he finished with 25. So he himself had 17 points in the second half. And then beyond just putting the ball in the basket, Caleb Love had a career high nine rebounds. He had six assists. That's that's triple double territory, folks. He's getting into there, like legitimately close. Four assists shy, one rebound shy to go along with two steals and one block. And oh, by the way, just one turnover for Caleb Love. Getting off to a great start, taking care of the ball and distributing the ball in these first two games of the season. A very encouraging sign to me that Caleb Love is taking this efficiency and decision-making much more seriously this season. Love to see it. All right. Number three in our four corners takeaway, it is hashtag leaky lockdown season. If Carolina is going to get this complete version of leaky black this season, watch out, watch out folks, because um, it, it means that not only is he continuing to do what he does defensively, but he's adding a more consistent offensive production to his game. Not that he's never had consistent, not that he's never had offense, but being able to do it consistently, forcing defenses to stay up on him, to not sag off and, and go double other people. Boy, that's crazy. So let, let's just look at some of what he did defensively. This If this was somebody else, you'd be like, holy smokes. But with Leakey, you just expect what I'm about to tell you. So Charleston's leading scorer, their leading returning scorer as well, Rain Smith. He's an Aussie, like very, very good basketball player. Scored 12 points a game last season, was their second leading scorer, but was the leading returning scorer. Had 19 against the Tar Heels last year. Had 24 in Charleston's first game this year against Chattanooga. But who's guarding him in this game? Yeah, leaky. Because Coach Davis will do that. Remember, and, and I anticipated and predicted this, said it leading up to the game, because there was precedent for it last season. Even though there's a height discrepancy, Coach Davis put Leaky Black on Kihei Clark last year from Virginia, their lead guard, to basically disrupt the head of the snake. Because if you can take Kihei Clark away, Virginia wasn't doing anything. Even though Kihei Clark's like 5'10 and Leaky's 6'9". Similar here, Leakey is 6'9", Rain Smith is just 6'2", but Coach Davis knows what that length is going to bother him, and then that scoring is going to have to come from somewhere else. Well, it certainly did in the first half come from somewhere else, um, less so in the second half. And so Rain Smith finishes this game three points. One, two, three, made one three-pointer. That was all his scoring. But perhaps the, the thing that is a little bit wackier than than normal with leaky and you see this occasionally but usually it's i just like to point out the scoring rain smith only had four shot attempts four this dude 
yeah, like that doesn't happen. In fact, in his career, now he's just a sophomore, so he's not had that long of a career, but only had one game in his Charleston career so far with fewer shot attempts. There was a game last year where he had two. <laughs> Leaky Black does not only stop you from scoring, he stops you from being able to try to score. And that, like, catch the difference in those two things, big time. Now, I said the complete player. It's like Leaky's in that commercial where it's part of this complete breakfast. It ain't just the cereal. It's the juice and the coffee and the grapefruit as well. And you got to have it all. Leaky scores 15 points, one off his career high, a perfect six of six from the floor, including two for two from the three-point line. In fact, that was the first point of the game for the Tar Heels was a made Leaky Black three. He adds to it five rebounds, one block, and one steal. Great, great stat line from Leaky. The one eh, about it that I know he himself is going to be upset about is zero assists. He's not going to love that, but he also didn't have any turnovers, which is is great. Carolina as a team has under 10 turnovers in each of their first two games. And even some of those you look at and think, yeah, they could they could minimize those. So Carolina is doing a great job taking care of the ball right now. And then the final of the four corners takeaways is that I am really encouraged by the two freshmen we've seen on the court so far, Seth Trimble and Tyler Nickel. Let's start with Tyler Nickel. Didn't didn't score any points in game one against UNC Wilmington, uh, but scores eight points in this game against Charleston in less than eight minutes. He played like seven and a half minutes. I've talked a lot this offseason, as, as has Pat Kilby when he's on the show, about Tyler Nickel being an offensive microwave when he comes into the game. And that's something you love to see off the bench. Remember Carolina's bench scoring last year? Yeah, slim to none. And so if Tyler Nickel can bring that, boy, it, it's going to be something you really, really want to see. As for Seth Trimble, <laughs> comes in, is just making good, solid plays plays within himself isn't trying to do too much you see his athleticism on display from the get-go but the things that the thing that has impressed me most about him so far in each of the first two games is his defensive tenacity both as part of the team defensive um, psychology or philosophy and as an individual defender a great example from this game was there was a play where he was all up in the defender looked like he was playing very solid defense but got whistled for what i thought shouldn't have been called reach in Um, but then on the very next play instead of backing off of it because he was like oh i can't get whistled again no same like dogged tenacity up in the charleston player who had the ball and this time the Charleston player gets whistled for an offensive foul because of Trimble's tenacity. You combine that with Leaky Black and then what Puff Johnson can do defensively when he's back. Oh, oh my word. This team has the potential to be very good, very good defensively. And as we, we've said a couple times already this early, early part of the season, that's what you're going to need in a game like Wilmington when the shots aren't falling as much. Both these freshmen we've seen so far are incredibly tenacious. They're aggressive. They're not afraid of the moment. They're not afraid of stepping in and doing what this team needs them to do to look at taking that last step and winning the national championship this season. (laughs) Unfortunately, though, it wasn't all rainbows and roses for the team in, in these first two games. There are some question marks, and we need to talk more about them and investigate them, which we'll do But first, let me remind you that this episode is brought to you by Upside. 
Inflation has us thinking, all of us thinking about ways to cut back, like driving less or dining out less, whatever it may be. And there's nothing fun about that. But because of it, I started using Upside, which gets me money back literally every time I go to the gas station. I always find a gas station I can use with Upside and I go there. And so because of that, I don't have to cut back as much because of using Upside. And now there's the extra cash in my pocket. To get started, download the free Upside app using promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, and then pay as usual with your credit or debit card and then get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, that's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCK. And for your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on YouTube or Odyssey, anywhere else you get your podcasts. So what I alluded to is, or what we talked about going to next, is that there are some Curious question marks to the first two games of the season that are out of line with what you expected from this team coming into this season. So I want to touch on those and begin the conversation about why they may be happening and see if we can start to get some answers to that, which in truth is just giving our best educated guesses. And then we'll get more answers to this as the season continues to unfold. Because the question is with all of these, are they just a small sample size, two game offshoot of what the season is going to be, or are they indicators of what's going to be season long trends? We don't know, but I want to help see if I can give you an answer to that. First off is the team rebounding. And and I think that's a thing because everyone expects Carolina is just going to roll out of bed and beat you at rebounding. As I've said multiple times since these two games have happened, the Tar Heels were out rebounded last season three times the entire season the entire season the Tar Heels were only out rebounded three times last year Kentucky Tennessee and the first Duke game they lost all three of those games in two games this season they've already been out rebounded twice they're two-thirds of the way to being out rebounded as many times as the entire 2021-22 season that is bonkers to me the Wilmington game they're out rebounded 37-32 This game by Charleston, they were out-rebounded 35-32. So neither of them were massive deficits, down five and down three. But still, if that's happening against Wilmington and Charleston, what are you going to do when you come up against a high major opponent with size even bigger than yours? You're going to need more people helping out in rebounding, like Caleb Love getting nine. That is incredible. But Pete Nance, you got to get more than one rebound as you did against Charleston, right? Like there are things like that that have to happen. Uh, We're going to talk about Armando in just a second, but he's not been holding up his usual end of the bargain. Now, of course, when you're making 70% of your shots in a half, it's going to be more difficult to rebound because there aren't many. Also against Charleston, they are a tenacious offensive rebounding team and that proved it bore itself out on Friday 
night. So the second thing that has become a trend for me that I've noticed in these first two games is that Armando Baycott has no double-doubles yet. No what I like to call dub-dubs. I'm going to continue to call them dub-dubs because somebody told me that they didn't like it when I said dub-dubs, and that makes me want to say it more now. That's why I just said it about five times to you. So take that. But seriously, the, the points have been there. He's hit double-digit points in particular this most recent game, but the rebounding hasn't been there to Armando Baycott's standard. To many people's standards, what he's done has been phenomenal because he had nine rebounds in game one, likely would have gotten to um, double-digit rebounds was it not for the foul trouble he had in game one, right? Missed a lot of the second half sitting on the bench. He had six rebounds in this game. So he's averaging a very respectable seven and a half rebounds a game for a lot of people. That's fantastic for Armando Baycott. We're not talking about respectable. We're talking about Armando Baycott, the guy who tied the NCAA single season record for double doubles in one season last year. That's what you're expecting from him and what you haven't gotten thus far this season. I don't know what to make of this. Because it's not like Pete Nance is taking the rebounds away. You, I just said he only had one in this game. I think part of it in game one, legitimately, he's at double digits without foul trouble. In this game, I think there was so little that he did in the first half that he just wasn't able to get there in the second half. And there weren't, a, you know, just... It just wasn't there. So keep keep watching what Armando's going to do. But But... In this game, both with Armando and the team as a whole, the height advantage Carolina had was overwhelming. I, I've done it previously, run through all the all the height advantages the Tar Heels had, but just trust me that it was insane across the board at just about every position in this one. And so Armando's got to get on it. The third thing that has been a weird anomaly so far is the three-point shooting. Carolina was two for 10 in game one, an anomaly both in terms of how few they hit and how few attempts they took, right? Just 10. That was lower than any single game last season. In this one, the attempts were back up to 20, but only made five. So in two games, the Tar Heels are seven for 30 from three-point range, 23.3%. Yikes. That's got to improve. Um, Caleb in particular, has to be more efficient. I believe he was one for nine against Charleston. That's that's going to get better, and it will. Same with RJ. Um, Pete Nance still hasn't hit a three yet. You're you're expecting that that's going to happen. It'll get there. But, you know, you're a leaky hit two for two, and that's that's what we're celebrating. No, other guys got to get in on this. Tyler Nichols going to be a guy that's going to hit some threes. He hit one of the five against Charleston. You expect that when Jalen Washington is healthy and in, he will be doing some of this as well. All right. The fourth thing that has been interesting to watch and curious is just Pete Nance's slow start. Um, he is having a positive impact on the game. That is true. And I think he's still working to find his niche and his way a little bit with this team. Remember, he's coming from Northwestern, who is not a great basketball team, quite frankly, coming to this team that is a great basketball team, quite frankly. Now, he's got all the skill sets. He has everything he needs to be able to do. I think there's just kind of still some, now the games are going, getting used to being with this crew, everyone figuring each other out. Um, 
I think it's about finding his role, his way, and settling down into it. We're going to say more about that in our final bit uh, talking point today, too. And also, folks, just the threes are going to come. He's 0 for 3 so far, but he, he's going to get there. It's going to happen. It just it just hasn't yet in any of these public things. In the exhibition game, he didn't shoot well from three either. So just Pete Nance is going to get there. It just takes some time. The same, even though we're not comparing Pete and Brady, the same was true for Brady last year. He took a while to get settled in and to get his. Pete Nance has a game coming. You just wait on it. Well, I don't yet have a feel for this team, but here's the thing. I don't think this team has a feel for this team. What do I mean? I'll tell you about it right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by Nissan. This week's thrilling moment in college basketball is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. And when I think of unbelievable abilities on the court for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be unquestionably Armando's 27 points in the second half of the game against College of Charleston. Just realizing like, hey, what I did in the first half isn't going to work for this team and I got to step it up and step it up. He did. I hope that that has unlocked something for Armando and he comes out against Gardner Webb on Tuesday, just absolutely on fire and all over the court. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. So as I said, after two games, I got to say, I don't really have a feel for this Carolina basketball team. Uh, But here's the kicker. I don't think they necessarily have a feel for themselves as a team quite yet. Why? I've got four ideas about that. There's still no Puff Johnson and there's still no Jalen Washington. Now, Jalen Washington obviously is going to be a new addition to this team who hasn't yet shown or done stuff, but he was expected to be part of this team. The bigger thing is no Puff Johnson yet. Um, We've already seen everything Puff can do, and it's a lot of different things. It's not just he's like, hey, I'm really elite at this. It's just that he is a Swiss army knife that can do so many things well and add so many things to this team, and he's got all the trust of Coach Hubert Davis. Carolina needs Puff Johnson. The first half of the Charleston game as the Tarles were getting down by seven. He would have been massively um, influential on what happened in that half and would have been, he just would have been a better matchup for some of Charleston's personnel and what they were trying to do to Carolina. Um, and so he would have been out there. And so in this game against Charleston, Jalen Washington was dressed. Uh, he's cleared now, but remember folks, this is somebody coming off of not having played basketball in over a year. This is somebody that is going to still have to find their way back into game shape and into game action and what that looks like. He doesn't roll out and play 30 minutes a game. Carolina, frankly, doesn't need him to anyway, which is great. But, you know, expect five to ten minutes a game to get his sea legs, and then you go from there. He'll do it, but it's going to take some time. As for Puff, it's just hard to know because of his injury histories, like, when is he going to be ready to go? It's it's when we see it. And so you just have to stay tuned for that. 
Number two, part of another part of the reason I don't think this team has really figured themselves out yet is role definition. Role definition is one of the single most important things for any basketball team. If players both understand their role and accept that role, whether it's I don't play it all in the games, but I, I am doing everything in practice to get this team ready. Or whether it's I'm playing 35 minutes a game in the leading score or anyone in between. If you understand your role, accept it and lean into it. That can make any team go crazy. And that's that's what last year's team did. Things clicked when everyone uh, after the the after the Dewey Ferris players only meeting. That's that's when things really took off. And I think that was part of it is people just began to buy in to what they were being asked to do. So who is needed to do what? And then they got to go and do it. That's it. That takes time sometimes, especially in the transfer portal era where you're working in new teams or new people from different squads that have different experiences and all that. Number three, part of the reason I don't think this team quite has itself figured out yet is that Pete Nance. Part of his role definition scenario is that he's trying to learn how to be a four in one lineup and a five in another lineup. When Baycott's in the game, Pete Nance is the four. He's playing the role that he projects to play at the um, at the NBA level, right? That's that's what we're looking at and looking for here. When Baycott's out of the game, he is the five. He is the center and has to play a different role. And that calls for similar things, but different enough that he's going to have to be able to move back and forth, basically, between those two things. And so once Pete Nance can figure that out, I think it's going to help the team figure out who they are and how they work well together. Number four, um, part of getting a feel for yourself is a new type of thing. And what I mean by that is Carolina, who for so long has been a team that featured under Roy Williams, two traditional bigs, like a wing and two, like a point guard and a shooting guard, like a traditional basketball lineup, has opportunities to go away from that in a really big way this year. Now, I know some of Roy Williams' later teams did that, um, but this team has the ability and the option to go with this Davis love Trimble lineup that I had talked about all off season that I talked about after game one. And that I talked about after this Charleston game right now is that team or that lineup could be an absolute difference maker to what Carolina is able to do in the way they're able to both attack and defend another team. But when you haven't played a ton of that kind of thing, it takes you a while to figure out what that is and what it looks like. And so as they do it, I think it's going to be, I've used the word and I'll use it again, devastating for uh, opponents. And so Carolina just has to keep leaning into that and figuring it out so that they can do that, but then also come back out with what they normally do. And so we're going to see different iterations of these guard lineups. Sometimes we've we've seen it as well already in this young season with four guards, those three plus DeMarco Dunn. And so all of these are realities. Now, we can't get out of here without the shady stat of the game. And guess what? I've got a bonus shady stat of the game for you. So let me get the sunglasses on and let's go. I talked about how Carolina shot such a ridiculous field goal percentage in the second half against Charleston. Well. 
For the game, the Tar Heels shot 60.3% from the field. That is the highest single field goal percentage of Coach Hubert Davis's young career. And you love to see that in game two, coming on the heels of me saying, we got to get a better offensive performance out of this team. Well, they sure did. They boy sure did. Let's keep setting those records. The bonus shady stat of the game, Caleb Love has scored 20 or more points 16 times in his career. You know what Carolina's record is in those 16 games? 16-0. and 0. The Tar Heels have never lost when Caleb Love scores at least 20 points, and they need to continue to do more of that. Efficient Caleb Love. I love efficient Caleb Love. Keep it going. All right, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to preview the Gardner-Webb game for Tuesday night. Also, if you haven't checked it out, there's a second full episode up on today, on Monday, uh, recapping Carolina's football victory over Wake Forest. Make sure to check out uh, for your second listen of the day, Locked on Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever else you get podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with me on a Tuesday. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, um, the like button, smash that guy, and leave some comments on your thoughts on this basketball game. You know what? It's always a great day to be at Tar Heel. Until tomorrow. Peace.